during the, uh, my announcements, there's a reason that the cars are parked oddly in front of that pole in the parking lot. That light pole has been overtaken by red hornets. And even after two battles that ensued where two cans of spray was emptied into said pole, they're still living. And we thought, you know, we'll have the pest control company come take care of that Monday, but we just didn't want somebody unsuspectingly parking next to it, slamming a car door, getting stung, and then, you know, coming to church or what have you. So I don't always double park like that in front of the church just because I can. There was a purpose, and we did it to save your life. So uh, that's... (laughs) There you go. Okay, we got some first responders in the audience. We're ready to take care of you. I do want to start out today telling you a story about a woman named Martha. Some of you may know of this lady named Martha. She was born just outside of the town of Rome, Georgia, in 1866. She was born into a wealthy family that owned a rather large estate in the area, and one day. She had asked her father for a playhouse. Apparently in 1866, in that era, they didn't really have cable TV. So people went outside and did things. So she asked for a playhouse, and her father had a small cabin built for her. And as she grew and played in that cabin, she really enjoyed being in that little cabin. One Sunday afternoon, she was studying her Bible in the cabin by herself, And Martha heard the voices of children outside. So she went out and she saw some of the poor children from a nearby town called Possum Trot. I told you she was from Rome, Georgia. What did you expect? Possum Trot was the town and these kids were playing. And Martha, who was about a teenager by this time in her life, called to the children and and said, Hey, come, come into my cabin. And the kids came in and she began to tell them stories from the Bible. Soon, her Bible classes were meeting every week in her playhouse, and she taught these neighborhood children that would have never had the opportunity to go to school. She didn't just teach them the Bible. She also taught them how to read. She taught them how to write. She taught them arithmetic. That was math back then. And in 1902, she had an idea that she would start a boys' school on nearby Lavender Mountain. So she deeded land, she raised money, and she opened the doors to the students, and the Barry Industrial School for Boys was formed. The school continued to grow. Eventually, they were able to add a program for girls as well. And if you visit Rome, Georgia today, you can still visit the house where Martha Barry lived until she died. You can also see the cabin playhouse where she taught poor children to read and write and where she taught them about the love of God. If you go visit Rome, Georgia you can also see what her little mustard seed of a school has become. Today, Barry College sits on top of 28,000 acres of Georgia real estate. There are 38 major buildings and well over 2,000 students every year. Barry College is widely recognized as one of the outstanding comprehensive colleges in the southern United States. A school that had very humble beginnings has been a blessing to tens of thousands of Americans. This morning, I want to talk to you about another humble beginning. It has produced amazing results. I want to share with you today the secret of growth that we can learn from the mighty mustard seed. 
If you're wondering, that's what's taped to the front of your bulletin as a mustard seed. And we'll get to that here in just a bit. Will you pray with me? Father God, it amazes me how you could take something so small and grow it. Someone like Martha Berry, just a little bit of faith and a desire to, t- to teach others has grown to something so large that's impacted so many. Lord, I thank you for, for your word. I thank you for the things that Jesus spoke of while he was here on earth. I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word today, we will allow it to grow in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Jesus, in this parable that we're going to talk about today, uses something very small to teach us about something really larger than we can comprehend. When he began to speak in this, typical, in this parable, he didn't start out comparing the kingdom of God to a high mountain or to a mighty river or a majestic oak or some vast spread of land or an ocean. He instead compared the kingdom of God to a tiny mustard seed. We're going to look at these words in this parable. We're going to see this lesson that Jesus wants to teach us about the kingdom of God. We're going to start in Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And he said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed which when sown upon the soil, though it is smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. With many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And yet, He did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Now, I want to jump to Matthew chapter 13 as well. And we're going to read what Matthew wrote about Jesus telling this story of the mustard seed. Matthew chapter 13 verse 31 says, He presented another parable to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Let me pause here for a second. He's telling this parable about the mustard seed after he's already talked about the parable of the sower where the the farmer sowed out seed and how it grew or didn't grow on different types of soil. He's telling this this parable of the mustard seed after he told told a parable of a seed, how how the farmer sowed a seed and how it grew of its own accord, how how the seed growth was from God. And now he's saying one more time about growing He presented them another parable saying the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The first secret of kingdom growth that I want to share with you is how the kingdom builds. You see, when a tiny mustard seed is planted in good soil, 
It germinates and produces a very large shrub-like plant that eventually grows to resemble a tree. Some mustard plants have, have been grown. I actually googled mustard trees, mustard plants, mustard seed. I googled all kinds of things about mustard this last week. And there are some rather large mustard trees out there. Some that where a man my size stands in front of it, they dwarf him. It just amazes me how this tiny one, one seed grows something that large. So the mustard tree has been known to grow as high as 15 feet tall. Look, look at the front of your bulletin. Our God is cool. Something so small with such humble beginnings can begin, it can become something that is just truly amazing to behold. And we, we miss it because when we go get our mustard, it's in a bottle. When you go get your mustard greens, they're already in a package. In the beginning, it was Jesus and a few ragtag followers. Remember, the kingdom is like a mustard seed. His followers, they, they, they consisted of, of some uneducated fishermen, a few revolutionaries, a tax collector, some, some women, and a trader. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. But by the time the day of Pentecost came around in the book of Acts, there were still just around 120 devoted followers of the Lord at that time. Mustard seed. But on that day, something amazing took place. Amen? A message was preached. Repentance was sought after. And over 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. You can read about this in Acts chapter 2. But then a short time later, Scripture tells us another 5,000 were saved at one time. That's in Acts chapter 4. You, you see this? What started out small. Jesus and 12 men and some women. All of a sudden began to grow 8,000 people strong. It wasn't many days until the church in Jerusalem is said to have numbered some 50,000 people. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that when it is planted, grows. And that was just the beginning. As the message was carried around the world, vast multitudes began to come to Jesus Christ. Cities and nations fell on their knees in the face of the message of the gospel of grace. This growth has continued even today. Tell me this. Who but God knows the true count of the souls that have been saved from sin and condemnation that all started with a mustard seed of faith? Everywhere the gospel seed had been planted, souls have been saved and lives have been changed. The church has continued to grow and the kingdom of God on earth has, has continued to advance and continue to expand. And what's even better than that is there will come a day when a vast multitude that cannot be numbered will stand before the Lord in heaven and praise him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That when planted, good soil experiences growth. I have no doubt that our God has a way of bringing great things out of humble beginnings. And you know what makes them last? The foundation. The, the root system, if you will. 
You don't grow to be a 15-foot tall tree and have no root system. When we were creating this piece that's behind me, I hadn't yet seen it. And I came in and I said, hey, I woke up this morning thinking about these mustard trees and mustard bushes and all this stuff. And I said, I wonder what the root ball of a mustard tree looks like that's 15 feet tall. And they said, hey, come here. Look at this painting, what we were doing. And in the root, and I hadn't even seen it. And they've already got Jesus written in as the root of this tree. And I was like, that's exactly what I was talking about. We can't grow big and strong without a foundation in Jesus Christ. Where our roots grow deep. Where they lock together. What makes something stand in a storm is those roots are locking together. It's amazing. I've seen hurricanes in Florida rip the tops right off of trees. But the crazy thing is, is some of those roots are still there. Banyan trees, they grow up and they grow back down into each other. And it'll shred the leaves, it'll rip the tops off. But the roots are still this high standing up out of the ground. And the tree continues to grow. That's how we need to be. We need to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Our little mustard seed selves. Locked together, standing firm. Growing to be a reflection of Him. You know, King David, he was a mustard seed. He was the youngest in a family of seven, eight. He was the youngest in a family of eight boys, all boys. He was ignored. He was given the job no one else wanted in the family. He got to go take care of the sheep. And God took that mustard seed of a boy and made a giant killing king out of him. Yeah, he stumbled along the way. He made mistakes. But when you read through the Psalms, we see that David was rooted firmly in the Lord. And God calls him a man after his own heart. That's not by accident. God took Gideon. Do you remember Gideon? He was a mustard seed. He was the smallest, he was from the smallest family, from the smallest tribe in the nation of Israel. And God took Gideon and used him to be a great military warrior. What about you? We've all got mustard seed beginnings. If you are a child of God today, you certainly had a mustard seed beginning. I know I did. But according, and according to, the, to the scriptures, according to Romans 3.23, you were a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yes, even you were dead in your trespasses and sins. According to the Bible, you were under a death sentence. You were headed to hell. I was headed to hell. You're like, well, that's not much of an encouraging message right there, John. No, but you know what? God in His grace looked beyond what you were to see what you could become through His love. And He saved you and He planted your little mustard seed self in Jesus Christ. And if you took hold of that, Your life is bearing fruit for the glory of God, not for the glory of yourself. 
You see, God can take someone who seems insignificant and make something great out of them. I don't know what you think of yourself. I don't know what you think your parents think of you or thought of you. I don't know what you think your teachers think or thought of you. But God can take someone who seems insignificant and make something great out of them. He can take a little red-headed boy nobody wanted on their team and make him a great leader of men. He did that with Winston Churchill. Maybe you didn't know that about Winston Churchill. Nobody wanted to pick him growing up. He was always the odd man out. And look at what he did. He could take a backward stuttering man and use him to bring the law of God to humanity. He did that with Moses. He could take an awkward, shy shoe salesman and use him to shake the world for Jesus. He did that with D.L. Moody. I wonder what he could do with your little mustard seed life if you really let him. The next secret of kingdom growth that I want to share with you is how the kingdom blesses. We've seen how it builds. It builds with its foundation and its roots in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, it blesses. The kingdom blesses us. This tiny seed grew into an immense plant. Its branches spread themselves out, offering a place for birds to rest, shade for men who are walking by. In the shadow of the plant, the birds found shelter from storms, rest from their weariness, shade from the heat of the sun. And that humble little mustard seed produced a plant that had many uses among humans as well. As I said earlier, people gather its leaves and serve them up as food. And if you cook them just right, oh man, they're good. You can say amen to that, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my mouth watered a little bit when I said that, I'm not going to lie. Back in Bible times and even now, the seeds are crushed and used as a condiment. The flavor enhancing the, blend, the, the bland diet. Think about certain things without putting a little mustard on them. Those seeds were used for medicine. Crushed and mixed with other things. They, they used mustard seed as antidotes for snake, scorpion, and spider bites. It's true stuff. You should look up some of that survival stuff and see what you can do with a mustard seed. They made salves and things that were used to fight colds and other ailments. It's actually said that a spoonful of mustard, straight up yellow mustard, will stop the hiccups. Give it a try. If you don't like mustard, it'll definitely stop your hiccups. <laughs> You'll have other issues, but your hiccups will stop. Maybe that's how it works. I don't know. Just as this plant in the parable brought joy to the birds who flocked to it for shelter, the kingdom of God provides many benefits for those who have turned to Jesus. Everywhere the gospel, everywhere that the gospel has germinated, things happen. Things like compassion happen when we're rooted in Jesus Christ. Things like decency and morality will spring up. Look at the hospitals. When you travel, I love when we drive from one place to another and you see all these different hospitals, St. Vincent's, Mercy Hospital, all these different hospitals that have, that have sprung up, if you will, schools that have been founded, truth and salvation that have been proclaimed and lives have been changed because this gospel has germinated. Everywhere the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone, it has brought about something in certain places around our globe, it has brought about the destruction of demonism and cannibalism. It's brought about the end of polygamy. It's brought about the end of child sacrifice. Thousands of other evils that have happened. As the gospel message spread, those things have ended. 
The spread of the gospel has built orphanages for the fatherless and homes for the homeless. It's built housing for expectant mothers in Africa. The gospel of Jesus Christ has reached out to comfort the bereaved, to care for the, infor- the infirmed, and to cure the sick all over the world. The gospel changes individuals into communities. And that's what we should be. We should be a community rooted in Jesus Christ, locked together with one another. It should be a strong community. I'm going to call this out, and some of you might not like this. Look to your left and right. There should be no empty spots between you. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And on Thanksgiving, we will cram 45 people in a two-bedroom house to eat turkey. But we can't come here for communion and offering and sit by each other. Y'all should get up right now and scoot together. I dare you. That's what I thought. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That's what should be happening. They shaved. We shaved. We showered. We put on our best. I'm telling you, this is, we should be together. When people come in, they shouldn't go out to step over somebody to find a seat. They should go, oh, look, there's one on the end because they like each other so much they're crammed into the middle. That's how it should be. This community, these are your brothers and sisters. This is your family. These are the people that God has you doing life with. Because his kingdom is like a mustard seed when it's planted and when it begins to grow, this is what happens. This nation was founded on the principles of the gospel and Christian faith. And here's the funny thing. Even those who reject the gospel in America still today can still reap the benefits of a nation founded by brave men and for God. That's our gift to them, if you will. When the kingdom of God moves in with divine power, the kingdom of Satan must fall before its appearance. And that's what we're called to do. We need to stand up. God has used humble beginnings of his church to accomplish great and wonderful things, not just in this country, but worldwide. Just as the birds in this parable found many great blessings under the branches of the mustard tree, those who come to Jesus find more blessings than they can ever imagine. Under Jesus, we should never be alone. Under Jesus, we should never be an outcast. We should never be dejected. Listen, in Christ, in Jesus, there's some things we find. We find shelter from the storms of life. We find rest from the weariness of sin. In Christ, we find shade from the fierce wrath of God. There there was a punishment due, and Jesus took that punishment for us. In Christ, we find food for the hungry soul. We will not spiritually starve to death because of Christ. Now, you have, to, you have to read the scriptures. You have to open it up. You have to eat it or it doesn't work. But we will not starve to death spiritually because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, a new and better life can be found. He can take a bland life and move into it and make it a life that abounds with blessings. Jesus is the antidote for the poison of sin. He's the cure for the sting of death. Death happens. Everybody says you only live once. That's not true. You live every day of your life. You only die once. And death is going to happen. But when it does, because of Jesus Christ in your life, 
The sting of death is not so bad for those we leave behind. Let me just tell you, when I pass away, if y'all are still around, don't be sad. I'm not going to be thinking about you. I'm going to be hanging out with angels and doing cool stuff in heaven, however that may look. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I won't be missing you at that point in my life. Well, my life will be over. So I guess. <laughs> but you understand what I'm getting at. The sting of death is removed because I have hope in Jesus Christ. He is the cure for the soul that is sick with sin. He's the one that will help you beat an addiction. Thank God for the blessings we find in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for the day that I came under the shelter of his branches. Some of you think I'm weird now. I was really messed up before then. You may not know this, but most commentators look into this parable and see a very different picture than what I've shared with you today. I'm not saying they're wrong, but they're not all right. Uh, (laughs) When you read commentaries about this parable, there's a teaching that while the gospel may spread and the church may grow, it will become the dwelling place of many who have false professions. Some people think the birds in this parable represent evil or sin uh, because those who interpret this parable look at it because the parable of the sower that I, that I preached on a few weeks ago, they say that as the birds came and snatched up the seed, that that was evil. Those birds were evil that snatched up the seed. And so those same birds kind of worked their way into the church. That can't happen. We don't call them birds. We call them wolves in sheep's clothing. And I hope there's none in this room. But they believe this parable teaches us that as truth grows, so does the opportunity for the devil to get in and do their work, do his work. And there's a little bit of truth to that, but I want to tell you what I believe. I believe that the birds in this parable represent lost people who have yet to encounter Jesus. And wherever they may be found, as these birds find shelter and rest and shade under the branches of a mustard seed, lost sinners have the same hope when they fly to Jesus for salvation. But it's up to us to share that how awesome our Jesus is, or they won't know where to fly. And they'll keep flying to the wrong places. I don't know how you feel about it, but I am glad there's a place in Jesus for me. I'm glad that I can tell you there's a place in Jesus for you too. What's the secret of the mighty mustard seed? The main secret is this. The kingdom of God may have had humble beginnings with Jesus born in a manger, coming from a a no-name area, Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Starting a ministry with the outcast, basically, of society. He had humble beginnings. But it will expand and grow, and it will have a universal impact. And if we're all doing our job, we'll be a part of that impact. The second secret is that God can take something that seems so small and insignificant. Mustard seed. A penny. You ever drop a penny? Eh, I'll pick it up later. You drop a $50 bill? Oh, I better get that. If you're dropping 50s and not picking them up, I'm going to follow you around for a few days. (laughs) God takes something that seems so small and insignificant, and He can transform it into something huge. He's done that with the kingdom of God. He's done it with many of you. And he will do that for anyone who will come to him. 
I hope you'll take a look at your own life today. If you're not a child of God, you should take your life and place it in His hands. Take your little mustard seed life and plant it in the promises of God's Word. Take root in Jesus. You may think He won't have you. You may think that He can't use you or that He has no desire to have you. But I want you to know what you need to know. He will not turn you away. And He will do more in and through your life than you can ever imagine. You've got to be willing to let him. What about if you're already a child of God? I want to challenge you to take your life and present it before the Lord today. As we come to our response time, I want you to present yourself as a child of God without reservation, without question, without hesitation, and let God know you are here to grow in him. You're not here for your own advances. You're here to advance the kingdom. As we come to our response time today, maybe you need to take this time and just repent. Begin allowing God to restore you. He can take you and use you in ways you would never believe. But it's time that we give our life to Him again and watch Him work. If this is a time of prayer for you and you'd like to pray with someone, our elders are here. If you'd like to be baptized today, if you want to bring your your mustard seed life to Jesus, just take me, let me start fresh. Watch Him take it and turn it into a massive plant for the glory of God. Think about these things. Will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to his word? Amen. It's been great to be here with you all this morning and to worship with you and to share God's word with you, but now it's time to go. As you go this week, keep in mind the story of the two men who were walking through a noisy, busy city, and one of them said to the other one, Do you hear that cricket? And he said, How can you hear a cricket? Around all of this, horns honking and cars and people yelling. He said, no, really, follow me. And they went just around the corner. He was like, I can hear this cricket. And sure enough, behind a brick in an alleyway in the middle of a city, these two men find a cricket that's just chirping away. And his friend was amazed that the man could hear the single cricket chirping. And he says, how did you do this? So he walked his buddy back out to the sidewalk and he took the change out of his pocket and he just tossed it down on the ground. And immediately, people began to search for the money to see if the dropped coins had any value. The man turned to his friend and he simply said, what you're listening for is what you ultimately find. This morning, I hope you were listening for something amazing from God's Word. You can take it with you. It may be smaller than a cricket, just maybe it's a mustard seed. To remind us that all growth starts small, but it still starts with being planted. So as you go this week, go and sow the seed of the gospel everywhere you go to everyone you talk to. And you'll be amazed at what God does with it. Will you sing this last song with us?